Well, continuing this morning. When I say I, what I want you always to hear, if I don't say it explicitly, is I think it's the Holy Spirit. Can you get that? So when I say I have, I, I, I can't explain to you how I feel about it. I have an overwhelming completely consuming burden that we make God and everything about him the main priority, subject, emphasis of everything. Amen? I believe what the Holy Spirit has been doing in this class is turning our attention from being too primarily upon ourselves and upon us and upon me and our and I and has been turning our attention from us being too primary to making sure we are secondary. Secondary to focus our attention on the primary who is our God. Amen? I can't tell you how I feel about this. Gene would tell you when I hear something at home, I rail against it. Because I hear man put first. Me put first. Leaders put first. Rather than God in them being first. Amen? And so I know that occasionally when I teach, I get going. And I say things that are going to emphasize an aspect of something. That doesn't mean that nothing else is important. But in my mind, the church has been so inundated and gripped. This is not even in the lesson. And gripped by this COVID humanity emphasis. That in order to deal with it, I feel, maybe this is not God, but I know how I feel, that I almost have to take a sledgehammer against this idol called me, which is in all of us, but which is still too strong in us as the people of God, and take the sledgehammer of the word of God and pound it to death. Y'all, come on in and find a place. Come on in. Everybody know this lovely group of people who are coming in here now? Well, we'll introduce you later. So let's get going. Here is the mantra. Here is what we need to know. This is the gospel. You want to know what the gospel is? 
the essence of the gospel, the kernel of the gospel, the root of the gospel is God's glory in all things. Amen? Now, can we make sure that if we ain't learned nothing from this class, we know this. The very reason for our existence, the very reason for our salvation, the very reason God ministers to us, speaks to us, dwells in us by His Spirit, the very reason we can pray, the very reason we live, the very reason God deals with our sin, everything, anything, I don't care what it is, the reason in the nutshell, all the way down to the core of it, is His glory. Miguel, can you say amen? Amen. It's His glory. Why is God doing in your life right now, Steve? For His glory. Why didn't God give you that answer, Cody? His glory. Why did God heal your mama over there? His glory. Why can we pray? His glory. Where are we going? His glory. What is my life all about? What? His glory. So we have learned that God's goal in all things is his glory. That's the first sentence in the notes. That's where we are. This shows you how fast we're moving today. I'm going to stick with this as best I can because I think the Holy Spirit wants to show us something today. We have learned that the Father has sent the Son into the world. Why did God send his son into the world? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Correct? John three sixteen. Is that correct or not? Yes. But why? So that in the son, the father's glory may be displayed in him and in us who are in him. Jonathan, did you get that? We have learned that the father sent the son into the world to display his glory through The humility of Jesus, loving obedience unto death, even the death on the cross, Philippians 2.8. Do you remember that? So the glory of God comes to us upon the path of the humility of the Son of God. Expressed in his loving obedience to his Father's will to glorify himself in the Lord Jesus, and then to be glorified in us. You got it? The primary purpose of the incarnation was not us. The primary purpose of the incarnation of Jesus, of the Son of God, taking on the form of a man, is God's glory. He came to display the Father. Correct? You see, that, this is in, especially John, the, the Gospel of John. We just whoosh, 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 go over it and, you know, because we're too, and I have to, me too, we're too self-oriented. And the Holy Spirit wants to free us of our self-orientation to be God-oriented in order to be the children of God in freedom in the Holy Spirit. Amen. John, listen to what Jesus said, John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Why? 
because you're my children, because I love you. And all. Yes, yes, but secondarily. Why? What does he say? Do you have it in your notes? What does he say? Why, why can you pray and I answer? Why, why? Somebody tell me the rest of the answer. What does it say? So that what? That the Father may be glorified in us. The Father, A.J., may be glorified in what you do with that big fiddle up there. It's a very big violin or a very small man. First Peter 4.11. Look, look. In what? What, 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 what words? All things. God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You see, we have learned that God raised and exalted Jesus to the highest place. Why? In order to glorify himself in the glory, and I should have put that he gave to Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. John 13, 31. Now is the Son of Man glorified. Why? And God is glorified in him. Why does Jesus say the Son of Man? You see, the Son of God has always possess the same glory that the Father possesses, that the Holy Spirit possesses. Do we see that? But when the Bible talks about Jesus Christ, when the Bible says the Son of Man is glorified, it is talking about the residential activity of God's essential glory in a risen divine man. Which fulfills Genesis one twenty six. Let us make man what? In our image. What is the image of God? Colossians 1.15. Jesus is what? He is the image of God. Remember? So that when we see Jesus, we see now the glory of the Father being manifested. Why did Jesus go to the cross? To assuage the Father's wrath against us because of our sin, correct? To forgive us. Why? So that he could be raised from the dead. Why? So that he could ascend into heaven. Why? So that he, hold on, let's go to the, the central thing. Why? Why? Why was he raised? Why was he raised? To be exalted, to sit at the right hand in the throne of God. Why? So that in this risen divine man, the glory of God the Father may be manifested for all eternity. And how did he do it? The son did it through his humility to the Father's will, surrendering the use of his personal divine prerogatives as a man, Through his love for the Father and for us. So that the glory of the Father may be manifested in him forever. Amen. Do we see this? Are we seeing this? Therefore, there is now a man in the heavens who is glorified with the glory of God. Do you see Colossians 2, 4 and 4? I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this age, who is that? Satan has blinded the mind of the unbelievers. Why? So that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of God. Where? I'm sorry, the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Do we see that? 
the Father's glory in this risen man. It was this glory that Stephen saw in Acts 5, I'm um, 7, 755. You remember that? Stephen is preaching and he tells these folks, then you stiff-necked people and they're about ready to stone him and whatever. And he looks up to heaven. Have you read the book? Read it. Acts 7, 54 and 55. He looks up to heaven. And what does he see? He sees this. He gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. Amen. You see, we think Jesus is sitting all the time. Jesus sits. That means it is finished. He sits as to the finished work of our salvation. Amen. Let, let, let's participate together. He sits as to his finished work in our salvation. But he stands as the commander who was at work ministering to and through us. Battling against the forces of evil through his people. Amen. He is a sitting savior and a standing commander. So Stephen is being attacked. And when Jesus sees Stephen being attacked, what does he do? He gets up out of his throne. And David, what? He stands. Does he do that for us? I want you to have a picture of what we're going through when Jesus is not sitting there. This heavenly man, this exalted divine man stands and conducts the affairs of the warfare in our lives through his Holy Spirit in us. This is the glory of God being manifested through this man. Stephen saw in the face of Jesus what Moses had asked for. Do you remember what Moses asked for? Moses asked for, remember in Exodus 33, show me thy glory, I pray. Do you remember that? And so in the next chapter, the Lord passes before Moses in chapter 34. And what? God is going to do what? He says, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. Are you with me? Shake your head if you're with me. Why in the cleft of the rock? Why? Why a rock that is split? Why? Because it's a picture of whom? The splitting of Christ at the cross. We can only see the glory of God as a result of the splitting of the man of God. The cleft. Holy Spirit just doesn't say, hey, look, I'm going to stick in a crack here. He uses every word for a particular purpose to reveal himself. So he puts, Jesus, I'm sorry, he puts Moses where? In the cleft. And he says, I'm going to make my glory pass before you, but you're not going to see my face because no man can. So what are you going to do? I'm going to make my what? My behind pass before you. You're only going to see the backside of my glory. And so he says, the Lord, the Lord God, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. And he said, loving kindness and grace. You remember that? Forgiveness. That's what he tells him. You see, what Moses saw 
Moses saw the back of God's glory, but Stephen saw the face of God's glory in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Do you have it? For God who said what? Let light shine has what? Shown in our hearts. You may speak it out. It's the word of God. Has shown in our hearts with what? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face. In the face of our Lord Jesus. These are significant verses we need to know by heart. What did did Stephen see in the face of this glorified man? Why do I say glorified man? Acts 3.13. Peter calls him the glorified man. What did Stephen see in this glorified man? What did he see? He saw the glory of God the Father. Do we see this? I see the glory of God and Jesus standing. When Jesus stands in the heavens, Stephen sees in the face of this man as much of the glory of God that a man can see in the flesh. Do we see it? He can't see all of it in the flesh because it burned him away. There is a man in the heavens, an exalted, risen, ruling, and returning man who sits as to the accomplishment of our salvation. John 19, 30, it is finished. But who also stands in the management of our daily lives by the Holy Spirit. As what Joshua saw in Joshua chapter, what, five. Do you remember that? They're ready to go to battle against what city? Jericho. Joshua is the commander. And he's out. They're out in the wilderness. There's a great citadel. It's a castle almost. It's a fortress. And Joshua sees a man standing before him. A man in gleaming armor. With a sword. And he says. Are you with us or against us? Did you hear that? Joshua's smart. He sees a man, not a normal man, just some guy with armor. When he sees this man, he knows he is looking at something beyond the norm. Are you with us or against us, Jamal? What would you have expected, Sissy, the angel to say? I'm with you. But you see, this angel isn't man-centered, Chris. He says, neither. Neither. What does he say? I am who? I am either the commander or captain, depending on your train. I am the commander 
of the hosts of the Lord. Correct? Is that what he says? Then he says this, because you might be tempted to think, well, this is an angel. This is an angel, but it's just not an angel. It is the angel of the Lord. It is the Lord Jesus, the the Son of God, taking on for a moment a physical shape. How do I know that? Because of what he says next. He says, take off your shoes from off your feet. For the ground upon which you stand is holy ground. Where have I heard that before, Pharaoh? Don't get all choked up. It's okay. I call on you occasionally. Look at Pharaoh. He's about to go into a quiz knot here. We had to be careful talking to old people like this. They get choked up. Where have we heard this? Take off your shoes from off your feet, for the ground upon which you stand is holy ground. In Exodus what? Chapter 3. Moses is speaking to the bush. Rather, the bush is speaking to Moses. And it is God Almighty, Yahweh, who speaks to Moses. And he says, take off your shoes from off your feet. No angel could say that. This is what we call a Christophany or a theophany. It is the appearance of the Son of God in the form of a man before the incarnation. There are several in the Old Testament, several. I don't remember where we were. You see, the emphasis for Joshua was upon this man being the God-man. Do you see it? He didn't say, look, I'm here for you, babes. I'm here for you. Just ask what you want. I'm here for you. Ask me. Tell me. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. No, you are here for me. Amen? We got it backward. Is Jesus here for us? Yes. But what? Secondarily. Why is he here for us? Because we are here in him for his father's glory. Amen? That's why. Oh, that we would be asking the Holy Spirit to totally reorient our spiritual and natural minds to see that it is all about and for and from God the Father. If it was not the Father's will to be glorified in his people, ain't nothing would exist except God. <clears throat> what did Stephen see in the face of this glorified man? He saw the glory of God. What is the glory of God? I'm going to share a few things. I think we're all going to know what I'm going to share because it's, oh, that's right. But it is going to be the most miserable, failing attempt you have ever heard. Because, Stephen, how do we put the glory of this infinite, majestic being into finite, failing, faulty words? How do we do it, brother? And capture it. We don't. We don't. So what I'm going to share a little bit right now, what I'm going to share is not to be compared to what is the reality. 
Because I, I, Mary, I can't capture what the glory of God is. And as I read this, what I ask you to do is two things. Cognitively, you know what I mean by that? What? What, rooster? Your brain. Cognitively, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a grasp of this in understanding, intellectual understanding, right? Jackie, right? In understanding. <clears throat> but also, ask the Holy Spirit to give you an internal, experiential feeling, experiential revelation of this as much as he will. Because the thing that should be most in our experience when we talk about the gospel, the Bible, God, Jesus, is an overwhelming, overcoming amazement of who this God is. Of who this God is. Who has done what he has done so that we, we, think of yourself, we, could be brought into and share his essential glory in Christ. What kind of a God is this? I have to regularly ask. I have to regularly ask. Who are you? Who are you? Gordon today what I hope Holy Spirit gives it to me. Is that you will get a better grasp. And especially. A vision. Something that will take your breath away. Something that would, as we sing in the song, humble us to the floor. To the floor. And it's not so much that these words are so great. It's that they speak very, very minutely of this great one. The glory of God is the comprehensive revelation of the nature and character of God. It is the gathering up of all of the essence, of all of the attributes, of all that makes this God God, and all of the actions of this God. The glory of God is the comprehensive Revelation of the essence, of the attributes, of the nature, of the character. It is the comprehensive revelation of who our God is and how our God is. Who he is and what he does. The glory of God is the intrinsic, inestimable value and worth of God himself. Are there biblical references in it? The glory of God is the splendor, the honor, the majesty, the greatness, the beauty, etc., etc., 
of the person of our God. The glory of God is the state in which all is according to God's purpose and plan. And everything in the glory of God, God is pleased with it and satisfied and is at peace. So that all in the glory of God is that state in which everything is according to God's eternal purpose and God's eternal plan. Everything. There's not one minute of anything out of place. The glory of God is that state in which God is fully pleased. Fully pleased. Remember with Jesus. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. So these are just easy to read sentences. And they're easy to understand in a cognitive way, correct? But what the challenge is, is for you and me to ask the Holy Spirit, would you translate this information to become a living experience in me? Ask God regularly, Father, give me a greater Look at your glory. Let's take our eyes off ourselves for a few minutes and off what we do and what we won't do and what we should do and what we need to do and what the church is doing and what the church isn't doing. Let's stop focusing so much on the secondary and begin to focus on the primary person in the church, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let us make God our focus in all things. Let us make our every decision his glory in all things. Let us make his, our every thought his glory. Our every motive his glory. Everything. What? His glory. For this is where the power of the Holy Spirit resides. The power of the Holy Spirit is not just in the name of Jesus saying Jesus. It is in the understanding and the revelatory, in the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, which we are now seeing and pursuing primarily. Then in that context, the name of Jesus is powerful. Because it displays what? The glory of God. When Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, he saw the glory of God visible in the face of this man. Stephen saw a man. This astounds me. I'm sorry. It astounds me that there is a man, a divine human Man. In the heavens. A man now rules and reigns over God's universe. A man now conducts the affairs of the universe. Do we get that? A man. God has granted to this man. Remember Matthew 28, 18. Has granted unto this man the authority to rule the cosmos forever. 
a man. And Stephen saw in this man in whom the comprehensive revelation of the nature was, saw the comprehensive revelation of the nature of God. He saw the inestimable worth and value of God. He saw God's purpose and pleasure fulfilled. This is what he was seeing in this man. And if you take the definition, the splendor, the honor, the greatness, remember that definition of you? He saw all of that displayed in this man. He saw in the glory of God the summing up of all things in Christ in the heavens and things on the earth. In the face of Christ, Stephen saw God's ultimate purpose. When he looked at the face of God, I'm sorry, face of Jesus, what? Stephen saw the purpose of Genesis 1-1. Remember that? Bereshit, Barah Elohim. In the beginning, God. Where does it begin? The glory of our God. Amen? Right? It doesn't begin with the creation. The Bible doesn't begin with the creation. <laughs> it begins with the God of glory who created. Can you say amen? But you see how we think? Genesis 1-1 is a story of the creation, isn't it? Nope. It's the beginning of the revelation of the glory of God through creation. Can we get it right? Do we see how we think? Luke, you see how we think? It begins with creation. It begins with something about us. Steve, it begins well. With the glory of God being revealed through let there be light. Let's get it correct. I hear that man back there. I like that man. That's Jonathan back there. Make sure you see him. Also, in the face of Jesus, Stephen saw the entire purpose behind everything in the Old Testament. He saw the entire Old Testament gathered up as a display of God's glory. He saw it. He saw that. In the face of Jesus, Stephen saw the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus. He saw all of that comprehensively fulfilled in this man. In the face of Jesus, I didn't put this in your notes, didn't come to my mind, it did just then. He saw our entire future, even to the return of the Lord Jesus for the new kingdom of heaven, new heaven and earth. He saw all of this in a glimpse. Why? Because, you see, the glory of God is not a bunch of things. It is God himself. And everything we've been talking about is a revelation of God himself through these things. God's ultimate purpose is that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ to be the glory and the power forever and ever. Now, why has God ordained that his glory will be revealed in a man and this will get us into next week 
So I'll stop there. Why must a man display God's glory? I'll give you a hint. Because God decreed it. Some people say, well, God had to do it because if it had. No, 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 no. Never talk about God had to do anything or whatever. Always make God active, not passive voice. Remember what passive, active voice. John hit the ball, passive voice. The ball was hit by John. God didn't have to do anything. God chose deliberately before the foundation of the world as always in him to what? Have a people in whom his glory would be manifested. Correct? So God decreed that that glory would be manifested in his people as manifested in his son. And so in the heart and the mind of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, before it all began in Genesis 1-1, it was all there in God. Why? Because the glory of God is the comprehensive, everything together as a whole, as complete in himself. Hmm. Do you agree with me when I say this? Who are you, Lord? No wonder Paul says in Philippians 3, I think it's verse 10. Paul, after many years of following the Lord and preaching. Diana, he says the most amazing things. Oh, that I may know him. How can he say that? Because the more Paul knows God, the more Paul realizes how much he does not know God. So come next week and let's continue the story.